0: Um, Again, it's the most inclusive, uh, fastest-growing, easily accessible sport on the planet, and it incorporates everybody from 14 to 80 in every walk of life, every fitness level. Do you
1: often wonder whether there's more to life than your 9-to-5 job? Do you dream about having a life that has no boundaries, where you can decide what to do and where to do it? And does the thought of how to get that life maybe overwhelm you just a little bit? then this is the podcast for you. Join me as I uncover how to get that freedom and live a life that needs no retirement plan. I'll be scouring the internet and chatting with people from all walks of life who are out there living life to the max instead of punching a time card. I'm Jackie Doucette, and this is Beyond Retirement. Hi, welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. I'm really excited to be joined today by Sabrina Watson, who's the president of the Nature Coast Dragon Boat Club. Sabrina, thanks for joining me today. Jackie, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. I think we're going to have a, have a really good time, and I think uh, the listeners are going to learn a lot about dragon boating. At least I hope they will, and I hope I will, because I don't know very much. How about you start with a little bit about who you are? Are you, you, know, are you working? Are you retired? Have you maybe never worked? What's, what's your backstory?
0: Well, Jackie, I am currently retired. Um, I just turned 60 last month. So um, but technically, actually, I've been retired for a few years. I left the employment arena after 36 years in food and beverage to care for my ailing mother. And uh, uh, she eventually passed of cancer. And this journey started about 10 years ago. And I took care of her for five years till she passed. And then after that, I had my mother-in-law, who I also cared for. till she passed at just over 100. So for 10 years, I took care of a couple of parents. And um, I was a full-time caregiver for them seven days a week, 24 hours a day for those 10 years, except for when I could obviously get some breaks and get out of the house. And I really had to find, um, I had to develop ways to keep my sanity for lack of a better word, you know, to get out of the house, find things to do, places to go. And uh, during that, during that time, you know, I I started trying to get out in my community just to see what was out there, whether it was something I should volunteer at. And, you know, I tried, I wanted to stay in shape, so I'd go to the Y, but um, I'm not (laughs) self-motivated. So for me, staying in shape uh, was, was a challenge was a real challenge because i had to find somebody to like work out with and as you know at at our age that's a difficult task because we're not uh we don't we've we've spent so many years building our lives that we haven't built this big ring really of people that we hang with constantly you know
1: that's true and it gets harder as you get older
0: And it gets harder and harder. And, you know, I think that we're all looking for some sort of uh, socialization as well, because we've, you know, we've spent so many years working and, and our working, our friends were the people that we were working with. And when you're not working, most of those contacts kind of fade away and they're gone, you know, and you don't know your neighbors. That's it. Exactly. You can live somewhere for years and never get to know your neighbors so here we are so i immediately joined the board of my homeowners association just to get to know my neighbors and i had lots of interesting neighbors that did all kinds of interesting fun things and um but uh that's not actually where i found dragon boating i had joined a gym that uh was for like a, uh, a fitness and weight loss challenge. And it was actually a kick, kickboxing gym. And I thought, well, I can, maybe I can do this because it was like a group thing. You would go you know, at a certain time and there'd be a group of people doing the same thing you did. So I joined that, and I was with that gym for almost two years, and it really was a lot of fun, and I made a lot of great friends. And uh, one of the girls in the gym said, hey, we're going to put a community team together for dragon boats. This year, it's a fundraiser for the county schools, and we we're, we were going to race dragon boats. And I'm like, well, what is that? And so, you know, they're, they said, well, there are these great big canoes, and we get a bunch of 20 people together, and we go race them. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm down. That sounds fun. So we got a team together, and I had no idea, absolutely no idea what this was or what we were going to do, but we got a team together, and we got the opportunity to practice twice before the event, and it's a, a local event on a small lake, and they actually had over 70 teams registered for this event. Holy cow. And a team is 22 people. So it takes a lot to build a team. These particular boats are canoe in style. They are 42 feet long. And by the time they add a dragon head and a dragon tail, they're over 50 feet long. And they are powered by 20 people that are paddling. So there's two to a seat and you're only paddling one side. And then there's a, um, a steer person. And uh, quite possibly might be your coach on the back. And then there's a drummer on the front. And the drummer typically is there to uh, keep time. And and they create lanes on the water, you know, like they do for the uh, rowing uh, challenges they have in like colleges and things. And away you go. You line up, the horn goes off, and away you go. And I have to tell you that it was so much fun. But I thought, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. So I wandered around to all the teams that day at the event looking to find out if there were any local. Now, I'm in Florida, just north of Tampa Bay, and there were teams there from Tacoma, Washington. Wow. That's a long way. Over 3,000 miles away, some of the teams had traveled to compete. And um, there's. this is not a money sport, so... Uh, taking home the gold gets you a cheap piece of metal and bragging rights. <laughs> so these people traveled a long ways for a cheap piece of metal and bragging rights. So I found a local team and uh, joined them, obviously. So here we are. Ultimately became the club president. And uh, all of that is history. We, ha- we are a team that has uh, currently about 35 members and we have a fleet of three boats. So we have two 20-person boats, and we have one 10-person boat. When I say 20-person or 10-person, that's the amount of seated paddlers. And then every boat has a steersperson and a drummer.
1: Wow. So that's all you do you do you uh in the club you train
0: every day or every week or how how does things run now every club is very different um like i said i'm slightly north north of tampa and we train three days a week um monday wednesday evenings and saturday mornings but there are clubs in tampa and there are um i don't even know how many clubs in tampa and orlando but there are dozens of them this has become a worldwide sport it's the fastest-growing sport in the world, and they are working to get it into the Olympics currently. Wow. So I think we'll be seeing dragon boat racing in in the Olympics very soon. So we train three days a week, but there are other teams even in our area that train seven days a week. We train for one hour a day, but many of those teams tr- uh, train for as long as an hour and a half a day. And are the
1: uh, are the people all retired? Are they all? 50s, 60s,
0: 70s, or the young people as well? This is the absolute beauty of this sport. It is the most inclusive, accessible sport, fastest growing sport in the world, actually. So from 14 to uh, the sky is the limit is the age group for um, all of these clubs. None of them, there is not a school club yet, and that's what I'm hoping to work on next. Because not most schools will have access to water, but if we could get it as a club rather than a sanctioned sport, at least we can get it started in our area for the young people. But yes, yeah, so it's 14 to you know about 80. Probably most people quit by by about 80 would be my guess, and I'm guessing here because I know a lot of people over 70 that are still dragon boating. Wow. So when you go to competition or you go to an event. Um, The teams are segmented just like um, many other sports. So we have uh, an under 18 group. We have a premier group. We have a senior A, senior B, senior C, and recently the first senior D team came into being and their paddlers are all over the age of 70. And they are working to make the international competitions that happen in 2021. They're called the club crew competitions. And I'm not exactly sure where those are held. Um, So they will be the first senior D team. And of course we have men, we have women, we have men and women mixed of all walks of life, all age groups, all physical fitness styles, um, absolutely everything you can think of it is the most inclusive sport in the world so
1: wow so you're all sitting it's rowing like like uh or paddling i guess like in a canoe is that something that everybody can do like i know a lot of people are going to have trouble me me doing the hand motions like anybody can see me (laughs) Um, (laughs) right (laughs) people doing that you have to be fairly strong in your upper body I'd think, so that might limit a, limited for a few people?
0: Uh, no, we have people of every fitness level in the club. We have people that are as heavy as 300 pounds. Wow. So obviously this is a work in progress for them. We have tiny people that are 115 pounds and we have them in every age range, hmm. every nationality and both sexes. Right. So um, we have them all. So, uh, you know, obviously when you have somebody who is um, relatively heavy, they have to work a little harder. Now, dragon boat paddling, we call it, not rowing, okay. and I know that you corrected yourself, good job. Dragon boat paddling is uh, really, if you're doing it properly, incorporates core muscles, not arm muscles, because you're driving the paddle down into the water and simply guiding it back with the other hand. And while you're doing that, you're kind of leaning forward. And then as you sit up, that's when you're pulling your paddle back. And that's where your force comes from. And that is really generated in your core. So it's an incredible workout for everyone. And now on our particular team, our age range is from about 40 to about 75. I think our oldest member currently is about 75. And um, the 75-year-old's race. So... Uh On our particular team, you can be a member and not necessarily a race team member. We uh, build our race team based on invitation. So those people that just want to come get a good workout and um, stare at the sky, they get to come too. Okay. that's I was going to ask about that because you mentioned any
1: any uh, fitness level. So the people who are overweight and learning and, and just starting out probably wouldn't be on a race team because they're not only just starting out, they're a little bit heavier, that's going to drag the team down a little bit as far as the, the speed of the boat goes, I imagine.
0: And, and yes, that's true to a degree. Um, the 20 man bo- boat fully seated weighs about two tons. Wow. So they're heavy anyway. And they actually, because they're a, a 42 foot canoe for the 20 person, um, they actually have to be balanced very delicately right to left and front to back in order to gain maximum speed. Now, race courses uh, can be as short as 300 meters and as long as 2000 meters. So yes, we do have to even turn these boats sometimes in race courses. So that takes some skill, obviously, that a lot of people, several people on the team have to learn. And um, the weight has to be balanced very well to keep that boat from going over. And they do go over, so, in races. (laughs) But we don't race in deep water. So, in most cases, if the boat goes over, you could almost just stand up. But, you know, but but we are out in the lake, you know, and it could be a lake that's 10 or 15 feet deep. We are required to wear what we call a PFD, personal flotation devices. You know, all of the, the safety requirements and measurements are there for the sport as well. So is there someone that
1: um, decides where you sit? Is, is it all planned out for the, for the boat? You're in a certain place all the time and everybody, because you say you have to balance it front, front to back, left to right, you're, you're going to look at all the people and, and lay it out that way?
0: Yes. Actually, the coach does that. He does the race lineup. And even they do that even for our practices. Whoever is our steer person for that day has to set up the boat for the practice. And again, it's based on weight, but it's also based on strength, ability, and skill. So typically, the front of the boat is going to have your lightest members of your team. The very first seat in the boat has what we call your stroke people. And they actually set the pace. Whether it's practice or racing, they are the pace setters. So they are the people that you watch, particularly in a race, because if their paddle's in the water, your paddle should be in the water. If their paddle's up, your paddle should be up. The center of the boat, is called the engine room, and that is where we put all of our strongest paddlers. You would absolutely be amazed at how well you can feel the difference in who's in the middle of that boat. So the weight balance is very important. The strength is very important. Where everybody is positioned is equally important. These boats can do oh three hundred or three hundred and eighty meters in under two minutes, even with twenty people in them. Twenty two people in them actually in a race. That's amazing.
1: I'm just you're you're drawing lots of pictures for me, and I'm kind of seeing it and seeing things row or paddling and and. It's really kind of neat you uh, you mentioned international competitions um i'm in canada and i know i have one one or two friends who are dragon boat uh racers i guess mm-hmm. uh, paddlers we call paddlers. paddlers. just paddlers mm-hmm. and i don't know uh, i know they they do uh local competitions do you uh, do you have competitions where you come to canada or where the canadian teams come down to to compete
0: against you Jackie, and that's a great question. And the answer to the question is yes, we do. So uh, being in Florida, we have a lot of snowbirds on our team. Yeah. And many of them are from Canada. So they have a team they're with in Canada during the summer. And then they're with our team when they're down here during the winter. Now, I also have to tell you that recently, two years ago, um, the third, uh, I think it's the third event will be running this year. I believe they run in February in Ottawa. They're called the Ottawa Ice Dragon Boat Challenge. It is the first of its kind. The dragon boats have been developed specifically for racing on ice. The equipment has been developed specifically for racing on ice. And they are gaining international attention very quickly. So those take place in in Ottawa. I believe, in February. And then um, there are international competitions as well that are all over the world. In fact, there is a USA team uh, for... There's USA teams, international teams. And those teams, those people have to come and try out for to make the teams. You know, so we have a, a USA... Um, premier team. We have a USA senior C team, a senior B team, a senior A team. And um, those races, those racers will go to the IDBF, which is the International Dragon Boat Federation races. And those are held all over the world. So this past year in 2019, because this is January 2nd, that we're recording this, this past year in 2019, the senior C team's from um, the USA Senior C teams went to Thailand. And of the 12 races they entered, they brought home gold in 11.
1: Wow, that's amazing.
0: They had Senior A open, Senior B, and Senior C. Now, Senior A is your 40 and up. Senior B would be 50 and up. Senior C is 60 and up. And as I stated, there's a brand new classification this year for senior D teams and those are your folks that are 70 and over. And just to kind of give you an idea of the countries that participate in these, um, at the international championships in Thailand this year, Canada was there, the United States, Thailand, Hong Kong, Philippines, Japan, Singapore, Great Britain, Chinese Taipei, the list is Ukraine, um, Australia. As you can see, the list just goes on and on and on and on. That's amazing. So it's definitely a, a worldwide thing
1: and it's uh, just gaining popularity everywhere.
0: It is gaining popularity rapidly in your larger, and it can be found almost anywhere. If you Google dragon boats in my area, you will very likely find a dragon boat team in your area. And you're going to have to go check them out. Every team is different. Some teams will allow you some time to come along, so to speak, to make it to their race team. Some teams are strictly race clubs. And some teams really allow a little of both. And, but in most of your major cities, like your Chicago's, your Atlanta's, your Orlando's, and your Tampa's, those, those cities can have, you might be able to find 15 to 20 teams there. Wow. So you just have to look around. And many of the clubs will have more than one team. They may have a men's team, a women's team. Um, uh, there are a lot of breast cancer survivor teams coming onto the scene right now. A lot of them actually. And part of the reason that they're coming onto the scene is because most women that have been treated for breast cancer or a large percentage of women that have been treated for breast cancer um, have some type of vein failure in one of their arms. So uh, they typically have to wear a a sock, a compression sock on that arm. And they discovered that these women could keep the strength in these arms and um, I believe get possibly even some improved circulation. And I'm not positive of this. I'm not a doctor. All I can tell you is that we have uh, breast cancer teams that are popping up all over the country rapidly. And these women all have this same uh, condition in one arm and they're finding amazing results with being on dragon boat teams. Wow. So that would dispel the myth that they can't paddle. Well, exactly, that's yeah, Obviously for everybody. Mm -hmm. I happen to know of another team, like I said, that's just starting the first uh, international IDBF uh, senior D team, that's folks over 50. Are over 70, I'm sorry. And I also know of another group um, not too far from me that is starting to work with the deaf community. So
1: then your drummer is, they're going to have to uh, watch the drummer as a, or
0: maybe well, you can't really right. feel it. But. And typically they should be watching that the front of the boat anyway, because yeah. that's where your stroke people are and they're setting the pace. Yeah. So theoretically they don't need um, the use of sound yeah to be able to race so um, you can see that it truly is inclusive in mm-hmm. every walk of life it is the most inclusive uh, fastest growing it's an extremely exciting sport and it, it really is appealing to a wide genre of people so those folks that were athletes maybe in school before they went to work are now retiring and joining Dragon Boat teams because they're back, they're back to being able to be an athlete and get the gold or get the bling that they didn't get then or that they did get then, and then they could relive that time.
1: Yeah, so it's, it, sounds, it sounds amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, you've opened my eyes tremendously, and I imagine there's a lot of listeners who also had no idea that Dragon
0: Boating was such a huge uh, phenomenon. Yes, it's it's all over the world. It's worldwide at this point, Jackie. It's absolutely worldwide. So just I want to touch on really quickly the expenses. Now, most of the teams have their own equipment, so you could use their own equipment if you would like to. But like any other sport, you go out and buy nicer equipment as well. And they're not really that expensive. It's something that most people can't afford. A, a high-end or a nice carbon fiber paddle will run around $200. And then beyond that, you're just looking at your uh, PFD or your personal flotation device. And um, the style and the size and the type of that will vary. And those are typically around $100. So you, you only really have two pieces of equipment that are required for your sport, you can buy very nice equipment for about three hundred dollars, and that equipment should last many 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 years that That reminded me then so what are you wearing? Are you
1: wearing um, shorts and a t shirt are you wearing a bathing suit under your p f d
0: what uh, what do you wear it's typically shorts, and uh the women usually will have racer back. Um, jerseys and the men typically have t-shirt style jerseys. And of course, like any other sport, our team has, uh, we have our jerseys, you know, we have um, our practice jerseys and we have our race jerseys. We wear our practice jerseys uh, probably all over town more than we should because, you know, we're out three days a week practicing and you go places before and after. And so we're in our practice jerseys a lot. We have cool weather gear as well. We do have cool weather shirts. Um, I know that everybody thinks that Florida doesn't have winter and that's absolutely not true. <laughs> we have winter. Our winter's just a little mild. But I have been on that boat in 48 degree weather. To some people, it might seem um, crazy if, uh, or warm. Well, depending on how you choose to look at it, for us, 48 degrees is very cold. And, but <laughs> spring, or Florida is full of uh, springs. We have every type of water imaginable on the planet, from springs to rivers to swamps to lakes to oceans. But because most of Florida is spring-fed, most of the water is about 72 degrees. So even in a 48-degree day, it's actually warmer to put your hands in the water than to leave them out. Wow. You see, for water, I think uh, 72
1: is kind of chilly because that's the highest temperature our pool ever gets. Because it's not heated, so yeah.
0: Oh, see, that's as warm as your pool ever gets, huh? Yeah, because you're you're Canadian in Canada. Yep. Where yep. are you at in Canada?
1: Well, that's uh, I'm actually uh, just south of Ottawa, so I'm going to be checking out the
0: uh, the ice boating. I think. Well, Bay. Her name is Bay. She is the head of that event, and I know her. I have interviewed her for my show, Paddles Up. Which focuses on dragon boat teams all over the world and uh, what they are got going on. Many of those teams are also nonprofit organizations as well. So they provide community services, they do fundraising, and they spend times in their community. Right.
1: I was going to ask about that too, whether they were
0: uh, for profit or non for profit or nothing. And there's that as well. There's all of the above. There's for profit teams, not for profit teams and teams that uh, may not even be considered you know, a, a team in, in the paper you know, world. Right. It okay. is completely a wide open sport at this point. And when I say wide open, um, just meaning that there's every variable imaginable because we're dealing with every walk of life imaginable. Um, again, it's the most inclusive, uh, fastest growing, easily accessible sport on the planet. And it incorporates everybody from 14 to 80 in every walk of life, every fitness level. So it's going to be that it's a perfect
1: occupation or a perfect hobby for just about anybody, I think. And that's something that uh, a lot of people are going to be looking for, something to take up their time that's not going to cost them an arm and a leg, something that gets them out of the house, get to meet people. I think that's a, it's a perfect
0: uh, opportunity for people to grow
1: as they uh, as they get older I think.
0: Well and you know that's the other part is that also our team um, besides just being a racing team we're also very social so we do do a lot of things in our community but our team gets together after practice every time after practice and then on top of that we create uh, local events where we get together as well so our team is equally probably as much social as it is exercise, and as it is competition. So you really have all those factors involved in your team.
1: That's fabulous. Well, thank you very much, Sabrina. I think uh, I've run out of time for today. I, I think we could probably talk about this for ages. and might have to uh, get in touch with you again and see how things are going. If uh, If someone wanted to find out more about dragon boat racing uh, you've mentioned a couple of times just sort of looking in your local community is there is there a special way or a particular way that would be best for them to find out something
0: the best way for everything in 2020 is google it <laughs> Wonderful. You, know, well you, you can find us however in citrus county at nature coast dragon boat club on facebook and nature coast dragon boat boat club on meetup.com so meetup.com is our actual club uh site that we use for everybody to sign up for practices so you may be able to find them on meetup.com in your area as well but uh, if you google dragon boat near me or dragon boat events near me you will find them they are literally everywhere
1: perfect thank you very much i hope you have a great day thank you jackie appreciate it That's the show for this week. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Beyond Retirement. Once again, I'm your host, Jackie Doucette. If you liked what you heard, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe to the show, review it, and leave me a five-star rating. It helps me move up in the ranks and reach more people. If you've got any questions or comments, drop by www.beyondretirement.ca and leave me a short message. Thanks again for listening, and we'll chat again next week.